urine penis pump. Uh, game. Insertion points. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's fair. Better not be recording me without punching the memories. I just need some goddamn stingers. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Super Serious Social Justice. I am Brienne. I'm Olivia. And Courtney is not joining us today, but um, she was uh, very excited to talk about this topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about atheism today and uh, all the godless yumminess that uh, that we can think of. <laughs> godless yumminess. It's where you eat babies. <laughs> That's um, what we do, right? That's what we do. We eat babies. Atheists eat babies. Mm-hmm. Baby eater. Mm. <laughs> um, no, but, and I, I make that joke about Courtney because Courtney actually uh, does identify as a non-believer, but has some interesting views uh, about uh, naturalism, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. She's not here, so we're just going to make shit up for exactly. her. Exactly. <laughs> she believes that pan the world spirit uh, <laughs> gives life and sucker to us all. Praise be to Pan. Hi, Courtney. <laughs> Last week I titled our episode Bite Me, Courtney. I'm apparently just an asshole. That cracked me up a lot. <laughs> no, but Courtney is somebody who um, has different beliefs about spirituality and like feelings feeling spiritual and as she said it she said this herself a little bit wooier about her atheism than i know i am and i don't know how olivia is but we're gonna find out yeah i'm pretty unwoo (laughs) so we'll definitely have to force courtney to talk about this a little bit sometime but tonight we'll just say praise be to pan so first of all why we're talking about this um I wanted to talk about the intersection of atheism and social justice because to me, I feel they're very closely intertwined. Um, And also atheism is often uh, derided, I would say, as a liberal educated elite belief. Um, The website Conservapedia has a whole section on atheism and social justice. And they like the phrase the secular left a lot. Oh my God. They use it a lot. Um, and, like, to be fair, a lot of atheism is, atheism is very white and very male and pretty darn well off. Yeah, we're going to talk about that because that's actually a really big issue for yeah. me. You know, but but all these things, uh, you know, li- liberalism, education, secularism, uh, leftish politics, those are all things that I think are pretty near and dear to our black, shriveled, soci- social justice barred hearts. So... <laughs> So we're going to talk a little bit about it. Yeah. And actually, interestingly, the way that I really got into social justice was through atheism. So fun fact. I was the opposite. I was I was involved in social justice and blogging and then came into atheism after that because of because a lot of people who I knew who were social justice people were non-believers and would talk about their non-belief and atheism in general. So yeah. So Let's talk a little bit about why people identify as atheists. So what's your top thing, Olivia, that you think of about why someone might become an atheist? Or maybe not even become, but why they might be an atheist? So my first thought was, because they're right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, really, to me, and I'm, I know there are other reasons that people leave the church or become non-believers, but to me, the it the thing that just makes sense is you actually believe there's no God. Like, why else would you subscribe to this belief system? I am very straightforward <laughs> in my beliefs, and and if I think there's no God, then I'm going to be an atheist, and that's just how it goes. Were you raised with re- religion? So... My uh, my husband and I have had a debate about this for a while. Uh, like he thinks you weren't and you think you were? Or whether what? I like... was raised Catholic or not. Oh, okay. Because I went to Catholic school for 13 years. Okay. My mother grew up going to Catholic church and my grandmother was a practicing Catholic, but neither of my parents were actively religious as a, when I was a kid. So I didn't really get it at home, but they didn't say it wasn't true. So I sort of grew up religious. I certainly <laughs> grew up... Up until about fifth grade, I assumed that believing in God was the right thing to do. I thought it was something you were supposed to do, but I never really did. I kept trying to and kept trying to get this feeling that other people talked about of knowing that God was there or real or with them. And I never had that feeling. And I couldn't understand why until I got old enough to realize, oh, it's because there's nothing there and that's fine. And I don't have to feel that way. And I can just not believe in God. So you you were a much more skeptical child than I was. I was very skeptical. <laughs> I was very uh, hook, line, hook, line and sinker. So like so many people, it was what I was raised with. And so it just was the way of the world, you know? Yeah. God's in his heaven and all right, all's right with the world, right? <laughs> and I think once you start disbelieving that or realizing that second part's not true you start to question that first part yes (laughs) um so yeah i grew up a very very lukewarm midwestern episcopalian you know it was just like it was all happy happy religion happy god (laughs) god in the sky and heaven and the rainbow bridge that the pets went over if they didn't go to the farm <laughs> were there a lot of hot dishes in your church there was, basement? There were, um, but I was in Illinois, so they were casseroles. Oh God, many casseroles, many Jello casseroles. I'm sorry, Jello, not just Jello. Jello, no, not Jello. Jello. No, but I'm upset about the word casserole. Lots it's of noodle, unacceptable. Lots of noodle casseroles. No, they are hot dishes. Tuna casserole. <laughs> That's another episode, yeah. and we have to have special guest speakers on for. We do. We have some very specific. <laughs> casserole speakers who could come on and i frankly don't give a shit (laughs) i just really enjoy the word hot dish hot dish is fun and i just really saying it like like i love saying it like hot dish hot like yeah it's hot it's hot it's a hot dish and you're gonna go to the church and have some coffee and bars with your hot dish bars i love the word i love the word bars so much I say it all the time. Any chance I get. We were in Lush today. We looked at some some soap bars. (laughs) For the longest time, I thought that the Minnesotan accent was not a thing. That it was just like a mockery that people had made up. And then I went to school in rural Minnesota. It's real. It's real. It is real. Um, Fun story. I, I came from Chicagoland area to Winona, Minnesota for college. And oofda. <laughs> and um, after about my junior year, I would go home and I would get made fun of for having started to take on a Minnesota accent. Yeah. I don't think we have much of an accent as city we people. We do not. We Yeah, we are. We yeah. are very much city people. But the Sin Cities, <laughs> we live here. 
<laughs> my California relatives say that I sound very Minnesotan. Right. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, atheism. It, oh my goodness. <laughs> How about that topic? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are some other reasons that people are atheists? So, um, someone's some reasons that I have heard people talk about, but I also heavily combed the internet for this in my three minutes of research for the show. Um, so We're very prepared. Yes. So, people who disagree with the Bible or their holy texts for whatever religion they were raised in. So people who actually disagree and start to question like, what is this bullshit I'm reading? It doesn't make any sense. Um, Which sounds like part of your deconversion story. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really ever have a convert. Like I knew I was supposed to believe in it, but I never did. Sure. So that was, you just cast off that mantle one day and yeah. Um, some people just don't have any use for organized religion and they may or may not choose to still believe they may believe or they may not believe, but they just don't have any use for getting up and going and hanging out with a bunch of people on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whatever it is. Um, some people leave because of very specific disagreements with, uh, the Bible, things like treatment of women, um, treatment of uh, T- TBLG plus issues. So uh, this might not be a specific disagreement with the Bible, but with the lessons that are preached by their specific church. Um, and often that can be a catalyst for some of those larger realizations that, hey, if it's wrong about this, maybe yes. it's not right about everything. Yep. Yeah. For me personally, comparative religion courses were a huge, you know, one of the last nails in the coffin. Yeah. Um, clergy sexual abuse scandal, uh, was cited by the Pew Research Center as something that a lot of people said they left the church over or that they changed religions from. I, I personally know two people who left the Catholic faith and both of them went through their own deconversion story. One person went to Unitarian, words. Went, went to a UU church, uh, Universal. Universalist Unitarians. That's the one. I can I, never get them right. They're very big words. For a long... I actually <laughs> considered going to school to become a Unitarian minister. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And then I decided that I needed to take a break from school for a while. Sure. Was it was it the leanings of the UU faith? Or was I, it... So when I was in college and horrific... Do you want to say what it is? Yeah, so Unitarian Universalists, and I don't know that I know, like, their exact mission statement. Um, I have an internet. Yeah, but essentially, when I have been to UU churches, it hasn't been something where somebody stands up there and preaches to you and tells you what to think. Um, It's been something where everybody sits and talks together about how do we figure out the world as a whole, and it's pretty social justice oriented. It's pretty liberal. It's very sort of volunteerism, charity, give back to the community oriented, and really about helping people find whatever beliefs are most useful to them is kind of how I have experienced it. Free and responsible search for truth and meaning. Yeah. So they assert no creed, but instead are unified by their shared search for spiritual growth. Yeah. 
And when I was in college, I was super depressed. And one of the things that was really comforting to me was my mom would sometimes drive down to school and we would go to this tiny little UU church in Northfield, Minnesota. <laughs> uh, and we would, you know, sit. Was that the closest? Where were you? Was that the closest one? I was in Northfield. You were? Yep. Okay. I went to, I went to school in Northfield. Okay. And it was just this really comforting and delightful experience of because my life was spent, I was a philosophy and religion major. So all of my time was spent doing that kind of thing was pursuing meaning and trying to figure out what's real and what's important and ethics and all of that shit. And a lot of people don't take that very seriously. But in the UU church, I could go there and see people throughout their lifespans who really wanted to engage with that kind of questioning, and who really cared about it. And that was so refreshing to me and so comforting to me. And it felt really like a family and it was a lot of people who shared it was a lot of the things that I had never experienced in a church before because my family was never a part of a church growing up I mean I think we went to churches but we never like really found our church or anything so I never had that experience of knowing what was going on in the lives of other church members and having them care about me and ask me what was going on and those sorts of community connections that can be really beneficial from a church. I'm sorry. I just came up with a great marketing scheme for, or not scheme, but like a new motto for the UU church. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm going to give this one to them for free. Okay. So it should really be the letter U, do, you. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I was just looking at this thing. I was looking at the, the Wikipedia for Unitarian Universalism, and I was like, you know, their model should really be like, you do you. And then I was like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> oh, man. Can that be the, uh, our episode title? You do you. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of good candidates for episode well, our, titles Our today. first episode title was, oh, hi, yeah. I'm new, sniff me. Hi, I'm new, sniff me. <laughs> because your cats are awesome. Yep. <laughs> And that's all the listeners get. Yep. Alrighty. So, yeah. Um, where were we? We were talking about reasons people might leave. Right. Uh, so, um, another one that, that I thought was interesting was people would leave their church because their churches became embroiled in politics. So, that was interesting to me because that probably happens on both sides of the spectrum, liberal churches getting involved with liberal politics and conservative churches getting involved with conservative politics. Um, because that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today, the intersection between atheism, the opposite of church <laughs> and anti-church, <laughs> anti-church and, um, and basically politics yeah. as, as one of the things social justice things that we'll hit on. I'm sure that some of it is also the more sort of colloquial understanding of politics where they're, Man, some church groups can be truly vicious in a mean girl's style. Mm-hmm. Or, it can, you know, even who is the pastor at a given place can make a big deal. To that. When that changes, it can cause seismic shifts in the mm-hmm. landscape. And uh, the last one that I was thinking about was <clears throat> some people who are very involved in church-state separation. Uh, I know somebody who is not religious and never considered using the term atheism until they came to the United States and realized that it actually is a very political term in the U.S. Yeah. And so decided to start calling themselves an atheist, even though he just used to 
describe himself as a non-believer. Yeah. So atheism as political viewpoints, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I think in some ways that goes back to the um, feminism and queer identity stuff mm-hmm. that uh, can be very embroiled in church politics as well. So I want to talk a little bit about the intersection of atheism and social justice, but I don't want to talk too much about it because I have a guest in mind who I would like to bring on to talk about that in more detail. Yes. But I do know that when I was more, I was, I was involved in, I don't want to say organized atheism, but I was sort of involved in organized atheism. We both kind of were, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's how we met. It is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was organized enough that Olivia and I could meet. Yes. Yay. Organized thanks, on thanks the organized internet. Yay. <laughs> There's some awesome people there, but mm-hmm. also some not awesome people there. Mm-hmm. So um, there is, I would, I think it's fair to say there is a divide of sorts, which is totally noncommittal. There is a divide in atheism about whether atheism should focus on philosophical questions or whether it should be put into play for social justice and campaigning for social justice causes, whether it can act as a backbone of social justice. And um, I know that I've seen it as both. I've seen very in-depth philosophical discussions in the communities that I run in um, the local groups here, Minnesota Atheists. Um, I've seen them in other groups where people just want to sit around and debate the existence of God. And like, fun fact, that's not the only philosophical conversation that you can have about atheism. Like, that's the most boring philosophical conversation you can have about atheism. And I say that as somebody who spent three years of my life studying philosophy. So like, I'm into that shit. But social justice is part of those philosophical conversations in my mind. Like, Yes, you can make them very practical, but part of what's interesting is picking apart, well, why do we believe this? Mm -hmm. Why is it ethical for us to include more women and more people of color? Why is that beneficial? Um, You know, what is affirmative action beneficial or not? You know, there are all sorts of really interesting questions that you can dig into that can rest on this foundation of, okay, so there isn't a God. What do we do with our ethics now? Yes. And people are just so fucking boring. They're like, but let's come up with another reason that God doesn't exist. Yeah. And and so that's, I was going to, that, that is perfect. Thank you for that. Because there's that one side where I, I, that's where the divide comes from. You get the people who, the atheists who just want to talk about that existence of God and those kind of questions and, and anti-theism. And, and to be perfectly honest, they want to feel smug about it. I, I've run into that quite a bit. Yeah. And I mean, some of them want to get into some of the separation of church and state stuff, mm-hmm. where they're really interested in protecting the rights of, say, students not to have prayer in schools, and that sort of stuff. So some of them are involved in other kinds of ways in getting involved in their communities, but pushing back against what they deem social justice. Yeah, where that line is, is different for a lot of people. Absolutely. <laughs> um, let's see. So I, I think that yeah, atheism for me was very interesting because I saw it as the underpinning of a lot of injustice that happened. Um, uh, when I was doing clinic escorting work, which is when I when 
clinic escorts volunteer for clinics that provide abortions. They're usually doing it because there are religious extremists who protest at those clinics and they use their belief in God to try to sway people from not getting abortions. They try to impose their beliefs on them. They proselytize. Shame a lot. Uh, they do of... not counsel. They like to no. call themselves mm-hmm. counselors. Um, but yeah, they're so they they use religion as a weapon, and um, there are lots of different aspects of life. Uh, injustice against women, injustices against trans and gay and other queer people, injustices. So many injustices against individuals are based I mean, on mentally religious. ill people. And yes. like I under like that's not across the board. There's that one I think is less universal mm-hmm. than LGBT and women's issues, but there are absolutely a lot of churches that say mental illness is your fault if you're not relying on God or who sort of promote God as the only answer mm-hmm. to your mental illness problems. And to that I just have a big middle finger that you can't see oh, that's right beautiful now. that was a double that's middle finger really, yeah it does a I little like dance <laughs> so um one of the things that i didn't like also was the right to perform celebration of life uh ceremonies so things like marriages funerals coming of age ceremonies births those as an atheist especially shouldn't belong i don't believe that should belong to a church you shouldn't have to believe in a god. You shouldn't have to pledge affiliation to a church to be able to recognize and to help celebrate those huge life events. And I shouldn't have to be a member of a church like the Church of the Dude or <laughs> the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster or something like that. So that the government has to recognize my right to do those ceremonies. So I don't know. Where was I going with that? I'm just like kind of ranting now. I don't know. I did manage to actually end up having my marriage ceremony officially performed by a religious minister, which uh, was not intentional at all. But my brother-in-law happens to be, uh, he's going to school right now to be a pastor and he was Mm -hmm. appropriately ordained. So Way to use religious privilege. Right? (laughs) So, yeah, religious privilege is actually an interesting term that we could probably spend some time on, but I don't want to. But there is a huge amount of religious privilege in this country, and it really... uh, What's that old... No, I don't want to use that phrase, because it's Family Guy, and Family Guy can suck it. Oh, God, no. I was going to say grind my gears, because I just realized it, but um, it's super annoying when religious people say that they are being discriminated against. And that's been a more recent phenomenon in my experience. I know it's not. I know it's like as old as religion itself. But personally, I've really started noticing an uptick in the last decade about religious people saying, oh, our religious rights are being squashed because we have to be decent human beings and not discriminate against other people. (laughs) Um, There's a super interesting book that... I have not read in a long time, so I might be misremembering. Yes. Because that one does not look interesting. It's really interesting. I'm a nerd. I'm so sorry. Um, I haven't read it in a long time, so I might be misremembering part of it. It's called The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism. But it's about how when um, people moved to the Americas and we didn't have 
a history here. So like in England, people had historical ties that they could use to find somebody that they found reliable or um, that they could trust. We didn't have that history. You didn't have somebody who could write you a letter that says this person is acceptable and you should yeah. hire them or whatever. And so they used religion as sort of their talisman of saying like, no, 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 I promise I'm a good person. I'm Protestant. And there have been some people who have posited that that's why religion is so deeply entwined in the United States and in North America. Um, anyway, it's just really interesting. And I think it gets at some of that privilege because in a lot of ways, atheists are seen as like shiftless, untrustworthy degenerates. And I think there's some holdover of this idea that like in order to have the backing of somebody, you need to have the backing of a church or mm -hmm. we can't trust you. Well, if you're not afraid of hell, how, how, do you, how are you going to act right, Olivia? Um, well, I don't, <laughs> is the answer. <laughs> Didn't want to mention it, but I did a little murder this morning. There we morning. go, we did yep. it. <laughs> I did a little murder. That's a new episode title. I like that one, too. Uh... <laughs> Um, so some ways that I found that I have found atheism and organized atheism really useful, uh, really, really beneficial are support groups like Minnesota Atheists, uh, the Humanists of Minnesota, and those I found useful because of the community they can provide to people who are leaving religion or who are questioning their religion so that people don't feel so alone. So people don't feel like they have to stay with a group that requires them to fake a belief that they don't have just for the community. Yeah. So I really wish we had grabbed my husband and brought him in here um, because he grew up very religious. He grew up in a, a conservative Christian household and was homeschooled and religion is still a huge part of most of his family's life. And he left the church um, right before I met him. And I feel like he would have some really interesting things to say about losing that built-in network and support group. But um, he's Wait. behind a, a very loud door and I haven't given him any heads up. Way to go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we almost had a really great guest for this episode. We'll have him on sometime. He's, <laughs> I don't know, he he's a handful when the mic comes on. <laughs> Uh, other groups that I've found really useful are uh, Grief Beyond Belief is a pretty amazing group. Um, it's around to help non-believers deal with grief, deal with loss. And some of those people might just be looking for a secular place to grieve without everyone telling them that they're being prayed for or that their dead so-and-so is with God or with the angels or any of that. Or it might be people who grew up with the framework of being able to believe in heaven. I know that was one of the hardest things for me to let go of. Interesting. Was to decide to accept atheism as a package deal and say, well, if I don't believe in God, then there's no reason for me to believe in an afterlife. There's no reason for me to believe in this Christian version of heaven that I was raised with. Uh, and that can be really traumatic. Like I had a hard time when my dad died, just going, he's gone. Like that's what you believe now. I was really mad when um, our dear friend died. Yeah. Um, 
because I was really mad that there was nobody to blame. I was mad that there was no God oh, to there yell was at. fucking somebody to blame. Oh, well, sure there was. Yeah. Sorry. I have a lot of anger about this. Yeah. Yep. But it wasn't God. No. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything supernatural. And it was, it was hard for me because I grew up with that. And I grew up that, you know, things happen for a reason. And every once in a while, I have a little bit of a relapse in times of stress and go, shit. You know, this is only this is only here. This is this is all we've got. And we can't put the blame anywhere else. Uh, so, oh, hey, if it's here, let's fix it. Let's try to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like one of the things that I've super struggled with as an atheist, even though I never had that sense of like higher purpose or meaning that a lot of people had is um, that within the atheist community, community, a lot of people find it really liberating when they're like, oh, there's no rules, there's no God, meaning is what I make of it. And I had that realization and was like, well, fuck, I guess that means I have to be God. And that's a lot of pressure. That's a fuck ton of pressure. Yeah. And then I got an eating disorder for seven years because I was freaking out about it. Yeah. It was like, I think a lot of people who don't... Um, care as much or who maybe just are willing to kind of accept what they grew up with can't imagine being that deeply affected by a philosophical question but that's all i am is just philosophical questions causing angst so (laughs) sorry (laughs) it's a lighten it a little bit like a human suit (laughs) that's me just stuff some philosophy in there and Yeah, and it's, like, super overwhelming. And I do appreciate having a place to actually talk about that stuff in a serious way in the atheist community, but I also think a lot of the atheist community wants to downplay how hard it is to actually sit and grapple with questions of ethics and purpose and meaning, like, every day. Most people don't do it every day, but I do, because gotta be ambitious. Brains are fun. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am super glad, even though I my personal focus has shifted a bit, I'm still super glad that we do have organized atheism. We do have groups out there that are fighting uh, to help people, uh, sorry, are, are fighting religious overreach, like you mentioned yeah. earlier, the uh, prayers in schools. You know, we've got FFRF, which is uh, the Freedom From Religion Foundation. We've got American Atheists who routinely help uh, litigate cases against religious overreach. So I'm really glad that they're out there. Um, There's one that I have actually really loved. It's just a Facebook group, but it is called Help Without Heaven. Um, And it's a mental health support group. What? That's awesome. Yeah. Did you not know about that one? I didn't know about this one. Oh my God, it's really good. Um, Neurotypical. Yeah. I'm not sure how (laughs) active it is anymore. I haven't really seen posts popping up lately, but my feed is all podcast stuff now, so. I know. Oh my gosh. What have you done to us? (laughs) Our marketing manager has gone on overdrive, which is awesome. It's kind of awesome. I kind of need to calm down, you guys. I need to stop. Uh, No, it's good. It's good. Like and subscribe. No, that's YouTube. That's the wrong thing. Oops. Follow us on Twitter. We're almost to 200 followers. Mm -hmm. And I need it. Yes. In my soul. It feels real good. It feels so good. (laughs) So I I, I just mentioned that my personal focus has shifted. Uh, Would you say that your personal focus has? Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about that. Why do you think your personal focus has shifted away from participation in atheist groups and 
I don't know. How else would you describe it? Honestly, I don't really know how I ended up in atheist groups as like my first entree into activism Mm -hmm. because I grew up with the assumption of being a feminist. My mother raised me very feminist. And I don't know how I didn't get more involved in that. Um, I think it might just be that I had a friend who went to my college atheist group and I kind of went to that a couple of times and then found some blogs that I found interesting and then applied to write at Teen Skeptic. And that's really how I got into it because they were a great group of people. And it was really like personal ties that kept me in the atheist community in any significant way. Um, And over time, a lot of those started to fall away. There is a lot of infighting in the atheist community as there are in many social justice and liberal movements. um, And that, got exhausting after a while. And um, as somebody who did write for Skeptic for a while, we got a lot of shit. And I got kind of sick of that. By which I mean, like, my friends having rape and death threats sent to them on a daily basis. Like, that was pretty shitty. Um, But beyond that, one of the things that really started to irritate me about the atheist movement was the fact that one of the highest values that I saw in the movement was truth that people were more interested in being right than anything else. Yeah. Um, and that they were, they thought that finding something that was true was inherently good. And I just didn't believe that anymore because... You can't come at a philosophy major with that. You can't come at a fucking depressed philosophy <laughs> major with that because I had spent so much of my time desperate to make sense of the world and literally like ripping myself apart trying to find the truth until I finally had to say, you know what, sometimes it's okay to not know. And sometimes it's okay to say this is the best answer we have, and I'm going to work with it for now. And so being in a movement that was saying, no, you you can't have, you can't accept anything ever that's not 100% evidence-based and true and rational, or you're bad. Like, I'm sorry, I go to a chiropractor sometimes because it makes my headaches go away. And I don't care if it is not backed up by evidence at all. It makes me feel better. And I need to feel better sometimes. And so it became a really toxic kind of a mindset for me. And I don't think it is for everybody. I think that there are some people for whom that can be a really positive and beneficial movement. And I do think we need perhaps more of that trend in our larger society of saying, no, we really do need to be rational and focus on finding the facts and really hold ourselves to a higher standard. But for me, it was just really unhealthy. And I started to move into a lot more mental health activism as I started to become more in tune with my own mental health and more aware of like how deeply that had affected me and how deeply I didn't want it to do the same thing to other people. So I I really just shifted in that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that it was the things that I didn't like about the atheism circles I was running in that made me focus on other groups because I really got into atheism through... I wasn't calling it social justice at the time, but through social justice. And I was actually a member of the Minnesota Skeptics for a long time before I jumped over to atheism as a more primary focus. And I did, I came in and got a lot of that background on uh, why alternative medicine sucks and why... Uh, weird beliefs of all shapes and sizes suck and why vaccine uh, skepticism, quote unquote, (laughs) otherwise known as vaccine denialism. Also known as fuck you. Also known as stop killing our children. Also known as autism is not worse than dying. 
Please say it with me again. Autism, Autism is, is not worse than dying. Yeah. So, um, so I found atheism through skepticism. Uh, so I really came at atheism from a rationality standpoint. Like, finally, just started calling myself an atheist when I came to grips with it. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I spent a fair number of years in atheism, and it was the it was the stuff you were talking about, the um, being right is more important than caring, really. Yeah. It was the people who said you have to do atheism this way. Otherwise, you're not, you know, otherwise you're, you're scope creeping. You're, you're not, you I'm know. Like mocking people for the worst shit. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you want to go look for Bigfoot. Are you hurting anybody? No. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, yeah and um, the... Oh, I had a thought and then it went away. I'm sorry. Um, I'm totally... I, I can't stretch and think at the same time. <laughs> you have to help me. You have to stretch while I think. I don't know. <laughs> so, oh, it was the people who were... It was... Honestly, it was anti-theism. The strident anti-theism. The not liking, not respecting people who were religious. I didn't... I never went so far as... Wanting to get involved with the interfaith community, but I was a lot more compassionate towards the interfaith atheists than the strident anti-theists. Yeah. And I think there's part of me that understands that impulse because I, I do think there is something potentially dangerous about the fact that almost every religion asks you to rely on and believe in authority in a fairly unquestioning manner. And that's kind of scary to me. But it's also not unique to religion in terms of organizations and not always misused. So, like, I don't know. I don't feel like I have a lot of anger towards the people, the everyday lay person in most churches. I feel a lot of skepticism and concern about the leaders in a lot of churches. Yeah. The people who benefit from yeah. organized religion. And some of them are great. Mm -hmm. But they're in a position that they can abuse, yeah. I think. Yep. I mean, I have family who are clergy people, too. And, yeah, I love them. They're yeah. great people. You know, but, yeah, in general. Not all clergy. Not all clergy people. <laughs> oh, God, I just had this urge to, like, make a hashtag with my fingers. Like, some sort of terrifying hipster child. Oh, my it's God. Like it's like the... Oh, God, it's awful. Isn't oh, it? Don't oh, do that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What else do we have? What else do we got here? I don't know. I mean, uh... I didn't find a way to work in this, so I'm just going to awkwardly tack it on the this end. That's really cool. One of the things that really did it for me that made me stop believing in God was the question of evil. Really? Yeah. It was It was one of the big ones for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It just... It seems to make so much sense, and I've spent a lot of time reading it and reading the responses to it, but I'm still like... It's... All the responses to the problem so of evil bad. are just They're like so, so much hand-waving. And yeah. even the most... And there are some really charismatic apologists out there, Christian apologists. Yeah. Um, I've mostly watched Christian responses to it. I haven't watched a lot of... Yeah. Well, and it's, it's pretty much the Abrahamic religions that have a serious issue with that because most other religions don't have a single god that they posit as omnipotent, omniscient, yes, and omnipresent. So Excellent the problem point. changes a little bit when you're in different religions. It still exists, but it's not quite the same. Right. Yeah. 
Hi, I'm a nerd and I like religion and philosophy quite a lot. I spent fun. a lot of time actively trying to find arguments for the existence of God and then being like, these suck so bad. Okay, Who so came up even with though we said it was the most boring part of atheism, what's your favorite anti or what's your favorite argument against the existence of God? I don't really have any against the existence of God because they, all of the pro-God arguments are just so bad. My favorite is the, um, it's Anselm's argument. It's the ontological argument, which goes as such. Imagine the greatest being that you can ever imagine. This my is, cats. This is God. So somebody oh, that is... Bigger than my cats. Bigger than your cats. Okay. You know, the greatest being that you could possibly imagine. Something your cats? That has all of the power in the, in the universe. Yes. All of the knowledge in the universe. Now, wouldn't he be greater still if he actually existed. Therefore, definitionally, God must exist. Boom. <laughs> and Anselm thought he was so brilliant. <laughs> oh, my God. I like that. That's nice. I just... And I would just like to mention that uh, I'm right here and I can see Olivia's computer. And she did not have to look that shit up on Wikipedia. She just knew it. Boom. It's been a while since I've done that one, but it's really fun. And the best part is that the most classic response to it is the no greater island comment. Which is, imagine an island, which is the greatest island that you could ever imagine. Now, wouldn't it be better if it existed? Boom, the greatest island must exist. What? So you can basically apply that argument to anything and say that there must be this perfect platonic ideal of anything just because it would be better if it actually existed. I don't like that. I think it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's just, it makes my little philosophy heart go pitter patter. <laughs> I miss philosophy. So I think that we'll probably do a couple more episodes on atheism. I want to get my unnamed guest, who I've not approached at all, so whose name I'm not going to say, uh, on to talk about... I almost did a really stupid... Talk about in the intersection of atheism and social justice. Now, what did yep. you do? And you owe a dollar to the jar? Yeah, I do owe a dollar to the jar, but I almost <laughs> just did like a really ridiculous rhyme of her name to be like, burpity burp, and be like, I wonder who it could be. <laughs> don't do that. I won't. Don't worry. <laughs> and I stopped myself, and then I used the bad word because I was stopping myself, and then I forgot to monitor another layer. Opening up the dollar jar... Come here, bad words jar. What do we jar. call it? We call it a bad, bad words jar? Yeah. Nice. It's not... Oh, God. <laughs> I have half as much as you. Shut up! <laughs> <sighs> Speaking of bad words, today I picked up my cat and started singing little bits, little bits to him. I don't remember why. And Jacob looks at me and goes, bitch? Because he thought I was little saying bits. little bitch to my cat. Bits. You don't want to sound like no, a snake. I am a Slytherin. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're very on topic today. Yep. So good at this. This is why our minisodes have been kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. They've been real nice to edit. Just like, boom, done. And maybe we'll have another episode with um, your husband. Potentially. We'll talk to yep. him and see what he'd be up yep. for. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that's good for our intro to why religion is yeah. no fun. That's not totally what our episode was not about. Not really, no. Sort of sort of a little... It, it was kind of all over the board. 
why atheists should maybe care about social justice. Yeah, or why social justice bards should think about atheism. Yeah. <laughs> and a little bit. Done. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Plug um, our shit. I will plug our shit. So... We're super serious social justice, as you know. You can shoot us an email, sssjcast at gmail.com. You can find us on all of the internet places, including Instagram. We're back on Pinterest. They sh- they, get, they they sent us an email that was like, we didn't need to deactivate your account. We're sorry. Sorry. And I was like, fine, asshats. Haven't had my goddamn links in like three weeks. Anyway, you should check out our Pinterest. Uh, our There's in- links. Yep, our Twitter, our Facebook, um, SSSJCast, or Super Serious Social Justice Podcast. Um, we would also love it if you checked out our website, which is SSSJCast.com. I know that most of you can probably listen to us without ever heading to that website, but I spent a lot of time on it, and I'm going to be really offended if you don't visit it. And also, we have an entire page dedicated to cats. Yeah. So, we want your cats. Yeah. If you are a listener and you have a cat, you should send us a picture. It's really simple. I know you've got like 40 pictures of your cat on your phone right Legit. now. You just have to shoot it to SSSJ cat, SSSJ at gmail.com. SSSJ cast. It is SSSJ. It is. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. I mean, I have it open right now. Let All me, right. I mean, not right now. It's like right here. It's Yes, it's SSSJ cast. At gmail.com. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, leave us um, reviews if you feel so inclined. We are on Apple Podcasts and we're on most of the pod catchers that are out there. Um, reviews really help us out and we love it when you leave them for us. They make us super, super happy and we might even read it if uh, we think it's really cool. Yeah. Oh, and I thought I would just mention I did reference Conservapedia today, but I'm not giving you the link for that. Yeah, it's icky. Fuck that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, thank you to the Kind Red Spirits for our music. And thank to you. our dear friend Jody for Jody. all of our artwork and our graphic design and all that good shit. Um, we love you guys. And we love all of our audience, so thank you for listening. And tell us why you're an atheist or why you're not an atheist, why you're a believer, yeah. what, what your intersection of social justice and atheism is. We'd really, really like to hear from you guys. Or um, social justice and belief. Yeah. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. We lit off fast as twenty federalities on our trail and they're gone blazing for kill I knew we would never make it so I dropped you off at the depot station I kissed you once for every pain I felt sorry as hell without my companion I was doing 90 on the edge of the canyon and the better rocks moving in on me it says son we'll take you Dead or alive, so you better play ball. If you wanna survive, we got a cold jail cell waiting.